Hello, and welcome to a special edition episode of the IMDb Journey podcast. Today we will be going through our top 10 movies of the year for 2017. Very good, very good. (laughs) But before we get into that, let's look at 2017 as a whole for film. Hendo, what are your thoughts on the year? I thought this was a really, really good year for film. It's one of the best years I've seen in a while, actually, and I think it's partly because I took movies a bit more seriously this year. I actively seeked out all these films that were getting really good reviews and good ratings and tried to stay away from all the, you know, worse ones, I guess, or the ones that didn't really get great reviews. I tried to stay away from the Hollywood machine, I guess, of your Transformers and and all that the sort mummy. of... The Mummy. The Mummy, yeah, all that. I, I avoided all those films and really just tried to stick with films that were getting very good mm. to, you know, great reviews. Yeah. What about you, Dean? Uh, yeah, it was an interesting year for me. I think that... It, I mean, it was obviously a very good year. I think the um, word that sums up this year most for me is consistent. I feel like I have so many, like, four-star rated movies, but there's not a lot of the top tier, whereas last year... For me, it was just movie after movie around award season that I was just banging out these five-star reviews that I absolutely fell in love with. And I think for this year, I've really only got one movie that I really, really love. Yeah, I agree with you there, actually. I think last year and maybe the year before, I had either two to three movies that were just absolutely phenomenal, in my opinion. Whereas this year, there's really only like a clear number one for me. Mm. Whereas there's, say... 30 films for me that are really, really good to great as well. So I think that equals out to a better year for me than opposed to last year. Hmm. Yeah, no. I, yeah. I mean, obviously you're right. You just repeated my opinion, so. <laughs> <laughs> I just said it better, though. <laughs> it's actually, this this year is the year that I've seen the most films from. Uh, I'm up to 101 films, and I think I'm probably going to take a break from that now and try to focus on some other films that I might have missed over the decades and maybe really yeah yeah I think I'm gonna go back and look at some films that I might have missed some classics or some just some films from different years that I feel so like I not, need to have seen so you're not gonna start focusing on the the new year the 2018 of it well the, the 2018 films really start to get good in a couple of months I'm not gonna go out and start watching like Insidious and all those terrible horror films that come out in January I'll, uh, this is kind of like my time of the year that I go and catch up on old old movies. Fair enough. Now, how many films did you watch this year, Dean? There's no need to laugh when you <laughs> say it. I haven't watched as many as you. That um, is an understatement. Yeah, I've, I haven't watched as many as you by half. So, I've watched... I think that's actually the reason why I'm, I haven't really done... For me personally, I haven't done a worst films of the year list because I've missed a whole bunch of these films that are supposedly bad, so my list really doesn't reflect that. And I think that Dean hasn't done a worst films of the year uh, list because he's uh, he's number ten in his best is probably his number ten in his worst. That's how many films oh, he's seen. You're oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so funny. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've I've seen fifty 2017 movies. Okay, so how we're going to do this is we're going to go from ten all the way up to one, going back and forth between us. Now. If there's a film on one of our lists that is higher than the other person, we're going to wait until we get to that. So, for example, if Dean has a film that's number nine on his list and it's number six on my list, 
We won't talk about it when we get to Dean's number nine. We'll wait until to talk about it together when we get to my number six, for example. Hmm. That way, kind of doesn't steal the thunder of the person who has it higher, who probably has a better opinion of it. Hmm. And after we've done our top ten, we'll go back and uh, have a quick talk about some honourable mentions, some movies that just missed the list. And then we'll have, we've got a couple of superlatives, some awards later on. We'll, we'll talk about uh, the best scene of the year, some underrated performances, and then we'll have a quick look at any upcoming films from 2018 that we're really looking forward to. I also just want to put in a shameless plug that I did actually do a video countdown of my top 26 films of this year. Uh, the reason why I did top 26 is because it just this this year felt like it was too good for a top 25 list. So I thought I'd add one more extra. So if you haven't seen it yet, I'll put a link in the show notes. And I I guess you could probably go and watch it beforehand. I think it's it can you can go either way, but I think I might ruin the surprise of the video if you listen to this first. Ruin the surprise of the video. Yeah, I feel like it's better to watch the video and then come here and listen to the thoughts of. The, the choices that I made. You've seen it, haven't you, Dean? Yes, you have made me watch it about four times, and each time, I must say, it's exactly the same as the first time. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's, it's, very, it's very well done. You've done some nice editing and all the cuts and stuff, and it's not just a 26 countdown either. You really do go from all 100 with little snippets of each movie down to one. So, obviously, you put a lot of work into it, and it is highly entertaining. Thank you, Dean. You can pick up your check on the way out. Thank you. So just a heads up for everyone listening, this is going to be a spoiler-free podcast, so don't worry if you feel like that we're going to spoil anything for you because we we want to do this list as like a recommendation to, to anyone who hasn't seen these movies as well. Yeah, it'd be great to... if, if you heard this podcast, you heard of movies maybe you haven't seen or you were sort of on the fence about seeing and then you heard good things and you went out and saw it. Yeah, much like when we talk at the end of our podcast of what else we've been watching, we try to keep those spoiler free because sometimes people haven't seen these films and we want, if we like it, we want to recommend it to them. Yeah, so listen to your heart's content. We will not spoil any movies here. Okay, let's get into our top 10 films of 2017. Dean, why don't we start off with your number 10? All right, my number 10 was The Florida Project. Yeah! I got a videotape of the kids illegally entering the utility room. Don't I tell you that. That's Cody. Do you hear what I just said? I got it. I'm a to her. Happy skin, you're out of here. It's only second week of the summer and there's already been a dead fish in the pool. We were doing an experiment. We were trying to get it back alive. That wasn't my and, idea. And water balloons thrown at tourists? You can't fuck with tourists. They didn't tip us. Are you serious? No. Oh my God, this is unacceptable. I failed as a mother, Mooney. You've disgraced me. Harley. Yeah, Mom, you're disgraced. <laughs> and I'm going to talk to Ashley, by the way. When your friend puts you in charge of her kid... That kid becomes your responsibility. You ain't taking responsibility. And you got that one too? She's from Futureland, right? Oh, whatevs. You gotta relax, my man. You gonna redo my expense reports with your whatevs? Your kid killed my night. I wanted to watch the ball game. You gonna pay me for three hours that I gotta work later? Hey, guys, pay the man for his three hours. I don't have any money. I don't have any money. Yeah, so the Florida Project for me, I saw it obviously very recently. It... I don't know, it's such a slow burn of a movie. You're really brought in by the performances, in particular, as we've said, of this child actress who plays Mooney. Like she really it's a it's a film that really stayed with me. Like I think 
the more I think about it in retrospect and look at what it was trying to say, the themes it was presenting and the way it was the way it was doing what it was doing, I thought was very impressive. And the fact that I'm still like moving it up a notch here, a notch there, each sort of few days, the more I the more I think about it and get into it, I think it really is a testament to how powerful this movie is. Yeah, I I did enjoy it. I know we just I know we just discussed it on the last podcast. I did enjoy it. I feel like if I go back and watch it again, I probably am going to enjoy it a lot more. It like I did have the issue with the very final scene that kind of tarnished it for me. But up until then, it was it was a really you, you, a really solid movie. Like that, like it does have some great performances. Like Willem Dafoe, like he should be getting. A, I know he's getting nominated in that. But he should be getting some award somewhere. I feel like he's. He's really good in it. I really yeah, enjoyed and like, it. A lot of people who are really good just get nominations. Unfortunately, everyone can't win here. Yeah, I know. I know. It's not a you know. Well, do, a you think he's, do you think he's the the best supporting actor this year? Mm, no, I guess not. Then how can you complain that he's not getting wins? If there's if just you give admit him one. that there's just give him one. Just give him one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what's your number ten? My number ten is actually. Higher up on your list. Ah. So we'll go back to your number nine. Okay. So my number nine is higher up on your list. All right. So so we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yep. Okay. Let's go to my number nine, which is the documentary Icarus. So for anyone who doesn't know what Icarus is, it's a, a documentary that came out, obviously, last year on Netflix about a man who sets out to uncover the truth about doping in sports and through a chance meeting, ends up uncovering probably the biggest scandal in Olympic history. This documentary had my eyes glued to the screen. The real-time information that was being presented to the people involved, the, the dangers and the threats that started to rise, this was a hell of a good documentary that started out as something quite small in comparison to what it ended up being. It quickly became about something much more important, much more deadly. If... If you're going to choose a documentary to watch from last year, this is the one I recommend. It's it's up for Best Documentary at the Academy Awards. I haven't seen what I think is the front-runner faces places, but Icarus shines. I definitely, obviously recommend Icarus 100%. Get out there, go get a Netflix account, watch it. Yeah, I, I didn't uh, share your enthusiasm with this film. I found it quite slow and the characters to be generally unlikable yeah obviously i disagree with you i i found the characters i found the the main guy who who uh, filmed the documentary to show genuine reaction and fear and concern about what he was getting into he he did not expect for this to happen he just was trying to do a small documentary on you know doping in sports how to cheat yeah and he ends up uncovering this humongous scandal that starts involving like they're endangering, endangering their lives, and it's—I just found it to be riveting. It's—it's kind—it's kind of in the same vein as Wiener from 2016, where it starts off as something, you know, quite, you know, tame, and goes into this crazy, out of nowhere documentary you just never would have seen happening. I can imagine the people filming it going, "Holy shit! How did we stumble across this? This is crazy." Yeah, they did get ridiculously lucky in what um, their documentary turned into being. 
But the difference between that and Wiener is Wiener's very enjoyable. It's funny. There's a lot of moments of lightheartedness and you really get to know the characters on a personal level. Whereas I feel with Icarus, you don't get any of that. It's so much scientific stuff and um, Fascinating scientific stuff. I found it I found it very intriguing, very fascinating. I loved it. Well, I'm glad you loved it. So, Dean, on to your number eight film of 2017. Okay, my number eight film was The Disaster Artist. Why you bring me here? Well, what do you mean? Seen partner. That job? No, not at all. <laughs> then what, guy? I don't see point. Um, when, I, when I get up on stage in front of people... Like all I can think about is uh, what if what if they laugh at me or if I embarrass myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, man, you're like fearless, and I just I, I want to feel that too. Lost the scene. Uh, you want to you want to do a scene here? Uh, okay, yeah. Good day, sir. Uh, good day. Come on, you have to be louder. Hey, Tommy, I just I don't. Don't worry about these people. They're only you and they're only me. Now do it. But Jack. So, uh, so stood, stood he in, in the Greek statue of old, grasping the lightning bolts. Great. Now, we're at the top of a mountain. Okay. The rain pouring, wind going, and the lightning, everything. Okay. Very far right, this say. And what are these particular precautions of yours? Um, when I saw this, I hadn't seen The Room. So I wasn't sure if it was the room or room, but no. You know, it's the room. the room. Don't get them confused. The room is the really bad one. Um, well, and room is just the bad one. Is just wow. <laughs> what a great movie room is. Um, yeah, the Disaster Artist is, in my opinion, the funniest movie of this year. James Franco is just incredible as Tommy Wiseau, really bringing to life all the eccentricities of the character and. But not in a way that's that's making fun of him or being disrespectful to him. Like you can see when James Franco got on stage when he won the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a comedy. Comedy, thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, Tommy was there with him. There, he's he jumps up. He's having a good time. Like he's loving this roller coaster ride that they're on at the moment as well. So I really think that this movie, uh, it's so much more than just a comedy though. There's so much heart to it, and yeah, finish it. Really feeling for this character and appreciating that while he is different and while he is not what, you know, the current society deems as normal, he's he's a person too, with dreams and goals and when you see someone realise them in such a major way, it's it's hard not to respect it. So I did really enjoy this movie. Yeah, I did too. I thought yeah, it was just a, a hilarious film. It just narrowly missed my list. But I agree with everything you said. You know, James Franco gets all those little subtle things about Tommy Wiseau right. I love how they do the split screen between the, the actual The Room and the performances from The Disaster Artist. Yeah, you can see when they do that, the, you can tell the work they've put in to making every little minute detail exactly the same is just phenomenal. Yeah, no, a really good film and a really good choice. Thank you. What are we up to? Your number eight? So, my number eight is Logan. Aiden, Mr. Monson. You understand you're trespassing right now, right? I have an easement with the previous owner of your property. <laughs> previous being the operative word. Who's this? Just a guy telling you to get back in your nice truck. Go play Okie Dickhead somewhere else. Hey, Carl. 
It looks like Mr. Monson hires some muscle. Looks that way. He's a friend of mine. Friend with a big mouth. I hear that a lot. And you probably hear this too. More than I'd like. And you know the drill. I'm gonna count to three. And you're gonna start walking away. Yeah, right to this one. One. I have a lawyer now. Two. Three. Ah, ah. Yeah, boss. <clears throat> you know the drill. Get the hell out of here. I think Logan was the first film I saw at the cinemas last year, and man, it was it was so good. Like Logan does what no other X Men movie has done so far, and it presents a dark, somber, like brutal movie with three-dimensional characters complete with heavy family themes as well as like love and loss and redemption and it's insanely violent this you know you need wolverine to be a violent person he's a guy with knives yeah. coming out of his hands and you notice that like you watch all the other x-men films he uses knives to impale people and there's no blood or anything it's like hang on like it's yeah. a, it's a little bit cartoony and you get to this film and it's just so deep and yeah, the violence needs to be there for a character like Wolverine. And Hugh Jackman gives it his all in this film. Everyone goes on about The Greatest Showman is his best performance. Get, talk to him about Logan. I think he... I haven't seen The Greatest Showman, but... Then you're probably the right person to talk yeah. about the comparisons between the two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I haven't seen this movie that everyone's saying is his best performance, but they're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like the masses online. Yeah. Nah, he is fantastic in this film. Patrick Stewart is also amazing as well. And newcomer Daphne Keane, she's a huge standout as well. They all, and all three of them, they all work so well together throughout this movie and they make it just one fantastic viewing. I obviously highly recommend it. It's, I, I feel like I need to go watch it again as well because, man, it's just, it's so good. Yeah, no, nah, it is, it is really good. I think it was the first movie I saw at the cinemas as well in 2017. I do place it very highly on my list. Not It did not crack the top 10, though. I just felt that whilst I do agree with everything you said, it was a little slow for me in parts, and it did take me out a bit, and I found myself, you know, checking the time, that sort of stuff, which I really don't want to be doing in a, you know, a Logan movie. Like, I'm, I'm a massive X-Men fan. Like, this movie should be... Like, I'm the target audience, and I just found it was a little slow in part, so that did lower it slightly down the list for me. Okay, fair enough. So that's Logan, number eight for me. So, Dean, what is your number seven? My number seven is higher on your list. Ah, okay. So we will skip that and go to your number seven. So my number seven is Wind River. Ah. We're looking for Chip Hansen. Are you around? Not here, bro. Who are you? Who are you? I'm the FBI. Are you Sam? No. You high right now, Sam? How many times have I arrested you? Chief. What's up, bro? Where's your brother? He's in prison where you put him. What, no parole? Well, look at that. The justice system at work. That reminds me. My PO told me to give you something. I, I got it. I got it right here. Wait, let me see Let's your see. hands. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> 
Man, I love this film. This film could have been fine as just this murder mystery set out in the middle of nowhere in the snow, but what the movie does that's better than most generic murder mysteries is it creates wonderful and like deep characters with their own demons and their haunting past, like while themes of redemption once again playing a strong role. I feel like my overall theme for this year in terms of movies I like had to do with a lot of redemption. Elizabeth Olsen and Jeremy Renner, they both give, I think, is their best performances I've seen out of them in any anything they've done. Did you not catch them in Age of Ultron? Moving on. <laughs> as well as the performances, the standout here is the cinematography. Like It features some breathtaking visuals. There's something about snow, man. It's the snow, the snowy mountains, and it's uh, so good. You look at it in a crisp like Blu-ray. It's so fantastic. It feels fresh. And there's this eerie score along with this movie that helps keep that tension tight from beginning to end. It is a must-see for 2017. If you haven't seen it, go out there and check it out. You won't regret it. Very good. All right, let's move on to my number six, which is Wonder Woman. Please slow down, Diana. That's your leader? How could he say that? Believe that? And, and you, with your duty to simply give them a book, no. you didn't stand your ground, you, you didn't fight. Because there was no chance of changing his mind. This is Ares, and he's not going to allow a negotiation or a surrender. The millions of people you talked about, they will die. We are going anyway. You mean you were lying? I'm a spy, that's what I do. How do I know you're not lying to me right now? I am taking you to the front. We are probably going to die. This is a terrible idea. Oh, well, we may as well just talk about it together because it's my number six as well. We should talk about it together. We should talk about it. Why not? Why not? So, Wonder Woman. What a great film. <laughs> the end. All right, good night. <laughs> Gal, Gal Gadot is just... Wait, wait. Is it... What are we doing? Is well, it I, I, I used to I have always... never said Gadot. I used to always say Godot, but I've heard people say Godot, and it made me think, maybe I'm saying it wrong? <laughs> no, I've heard them say Godot, and I'm like, nah, it's, it's Godot. You're not, tell- you're not telling me any different. Godot does sound very more, much more Aussie. Godot. <laughs> Godot, mate. Um, <laughs> okay, we'll go with Godot then. Sure. Um, Gal Godot is... You're easily manipulated. ...is a standout in this. She really captures the essence of the character of Diana Prince. And I feel like the action, the set pieces, the the way it, the first half is one movie, the second half is the sort of same movie flipped on its head. I really did appreciate what they did, and it kept it fresh for its decent runtime. Like oh, this, talk about being bored in Logan. I was never bored in this film. It is riveting from start to finish, and some of the war scenes, and the way the action is portrayed there, is just uh, yeah. I've it's different, it's original, and I love it. I wonder how many deep breaths you're going to give for any movies coming up. You got it at number six, and I think I counted two Ooh. or three there. Here's number one, and it's just going to be just de- Dean just deep breathing for five minutes. Ooh, you can look forward to that, guys. <laughs> no, I'm really happy here to see that DC finally has hit a home run with this. Wonder Woman, it's one of the biggest turnarounds for a franchise I've ever seen. Definitely learnt their lesson from Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman and Suicide Squad. They churn out, they finally churn out a movie that's well paced, a nice structured plot, some great character development, and some fantastic action that's never like to right in your face. Patty Jenkins, she brings the screen alive with some vibrant and colourful sets and some designs. 
Gal Gadot, you know, she's obviously fantastic as Wonder Woman. Chris Pine shows some quality acting chops as well, which is rare from him. And Ooh, sick burn. Yeah, and but their chemistry as well is it, quite superb. Not a Star Trek fan? I didn't say that. It, and it's funny in like just the right places as well, and it, it really sends a great message as well. I'm sure you were happy that they finally made a universally praised DC film. I was happy that finally everyone caught up and saw that <laughs> DC are making great films. So, yes, you are correct. So, that's Wonder Woman, both of ours, number six film of 2017. So, on to your number five film, Dean. Which is The Big Sick. Now, this is a movie that... I really didn't see it coming. It'd been out for a while before I bothered seeing it. I had heard good things, and I'd seen a couple of interviews with Kamal Nanjani. And I'll, I'll be honest, I wasn't really intrigued with it at all. Um, But I was bored, and I saw it, and I couldn't stop looking at the TV. Like, it was so refreshing. The dialogue was so real and natural. So many of these, like, there's a lot of, obviously, yeah, it's a romance story, and... So much, so many of these romances are so forced, and you just don't believe it. And the chemistry between the two leads is like it's real, like it's really, really real. Ray Romano and Holly Hunter are brilliant in this, and some of the standout scenes for me are when Kamal is, you know, talking with the parents of this woman he loves, and you can see. There's tensions, there's conflicts, and the way it all resolves, I I really appreciated it. And there are so many genuine laugh-out-loud moments in this film. Yeah, it was just a perfect mix for me of romance, drama, and comedy. And it looked at, you know, the themes of racism, or maybe not so racism, but immigration and how people are seeing immigrants in a different way to sort of your standard, you know, patriotic Americans. And it's... Yeah, it was refreshing for me, and I I really liked it. What do you think of it? Yeah, The Big Sick is actually at number 11 on my list. It just missed the cut. I agree with you completely. It's it's sweet and funny, and it's it, it's a great example of a rom-com. Like, the humor is large in quantity and quality as well. Like, every character has their own wit and their time to shine. You know, the love story is very touching, and it's very real because it is a true story written by Kamal Nanjani. Everything seemed to flow quite well with this one. Like, the characters are overall fantastic. There's a lot of fleshed-out complex people. And they tackle, you know, tough subjects like relationships and religion and uh, the way different cultures live. And, and redemption, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> no, 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 not redemption. Uh, maybe that's why it's not in the top ten. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, and I thought the movie handled all these tough subjects, like, very well. It's, it's a fantastic film. And... Unfortunately, just missed my cut. But, you know, top 11. Why not? Why not, indeed? Let's move on to your number five. My number five, which is actually your number nine, is Ladybird. Hey. I, I like your band. Uh, with Jonah Ruiz. Len Fancenew. Len Fancenew. Uh, well, I, I saw your Thanksgiving show. My name's Ladybird. It's weird you shake hands. Yeah. I'm friends with Jenna, and she's always talking about how great your band is, so I wanted to check it out. Yeah, Jenna's hog tight. Yeah. Maybe I'll see you at the Deuce or something, huh? Sure. See you at the Deuce. 
Hey, I'm not paying you to flirt. I wasn't flirting. She had been. What's there to say about Lady Bird that we haven't already discussed on the podcast? This movie is it's fantastic it's uh it's it's real like all these these movies they're they're real like this is this is like a true-to-life story these these characters look they look and they sound and they act like people who live next door to you they're 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 us they're us when we were younger that well you know just the way we were i i i related to who timothy's <laughs> the 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 struggles that these these teens have when they were growing up, and you know the issues they had with their parents, and the acting is obviously the standout here. You know, Shusha Ronan and Laurie Metcalf just bring it in this film. I just i I could sit down and watch this many more times over, and just sit there with a smile on my face because it's it's just a joy to watch this film, and it and it ends in a way I didn't think it would, which is also real to life as well i just it's getting the praise it deserves and you know call me a sheep i I don't know i just i love this film i don't call you a sheep i'll call you by your name but i think that ladybird is a great (laughs) film (laughs) no i do think that ladybird is a great film as 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 endo said it is my number nine Shersha Ronan is just fantastic. I know Laurie Metcalf is getting a lot more of the praise and sort of uh, award buzz around her performance, but I think without Shersha Ronan putting in the performance she did, this movie would have fallen apart. The script is so tight as well. Like, There's only so much actors can do up to a point without a fantastic script, and this script is a standout, so... Really, really great film, and it is one I see myself watching again, definitely. So. Got a really good soundtrack too, as well. I, I really enjoyed listening to that as well. Yeah, good, no, good looks... songs from like back in two thousand and two, which is when the movie set. Like what? Dave Matthews Band. What's his band called? Shut up, mate! I'm <laughs> cutting, cutting that shit, fucker. <laughs> okay, okay. You should leave it in. Um. <laughs> so, Dean, we're up to number four. What is your fourth best film of twenty seventeen? My fourth best film is your tenth best film. Number ten. Which is Coco. Coco. Ah, mira, mira. They're setting up for tonight. The music competition for Dia de Muertos. You want to be like your hero? You should sign up. Look, if you're too scared, then well, have fun making shoes. Uh Uh-uh. My family would freak. Show me what you got, muchacho. I'll be your first audience. I know your tricks, Mariachi. What did he say to you? He was just showing me his guitar. He wants no part of your music, Mariachi. You keep away from him. Now, again, I've said this a couple times I'm finding, but I'm sort of going into some of these movies with lower expectations despite all the buzz that this new great Pixar film was getting I sort of didn't wasn't really overly keen on it but it just it's it wasn't from the get-go I loved it either it took a bit to get going but once it did I just I fell in love with these people and the message is so strong about the importance of family the importance of history and the importance of being yourself and 
being allowed to be the person you could be. I think it's a really great message, especially for kids watching it. I know a lot of these Pixar movies are enjoyed so much by adults, but obviously they're at the end of the day, they're animated films that kids are going to watch to death. And I really feel like I'm very comfortable in letting my kids grow up watching this movie again and again because it is so positive. Also, I can't go past, I think I mentioned it on another podcast, but... I was in tears at the end of this movie. It had such a powerful impact on me. And any movie that can do that to me, I just have to have mad respect for. Well done, Coco. Hendo. Yeah, Coco is a fantastic film. It's It takes a little bit to get into it. Like, it sets up. It's, it, it sets everything up on the way. Like, it doesn't skip a beat. Once you know all this stuff, everything it sets up pays off in one way or another. You're right, Dean. Like, the the family theme of it the the culture again of you know this day of the dead this yeah it's something that like what other movie has really i'll rephrase that what other kids movie has really looked at the um mexican day of the dead yeah exactly which is more which is why it can be catered to adults as well like the kids aren't gonna uh, kind of understand it like the the real young ones but they're still gonna enjoy like the gorgeous animation that pixar presents and Mm. the and the happy and lovable you know, great characters that this film once it, like Pixar once again brings to us, and it's actually like it, it's quite a dark Pixar film. Like this, I think this is the only Pixar film to get a like a PG rating. Really, it's because it tackles a lot of things about like death and murder and everything like that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like you go back, what other what Pixar films going to get a G? Uh, sorry, a PG. Brave? Maybe uh, um, The Incredibles, perhaps. Yeah, and it's you know, it, like you said, it's an emotional film once again. I didn't didn't tear up like you did, but who knows what can uh, happen on a third go. You have no soul. <laughs> didn't even cry an inside out. What's wrong with you? I did cry an inside out. Took me three times, but I got there. <laughs> okay. Now, nah, nah, Coco is, yeah, once again, Pixar are smashing it. They seem to churn out two movies a year, one being not that good, and the other cars. one being just absolutely phenomenal, with this year being... One being you know, absolutely phenomenal, and the other phenomenal. being Cars. <laughs> <laughs> No, you see, like with this year, Cars Three and Coco, and in 2015 they had Inside Out, which which was phenomenal, and The Good Dinosaur, which was not. They they seem to, you know, strike gold 50% of the time, which is a good success rate. Actually, how can I say 50% when you've got your classics like your Toy Stories and your Finding Nemo's and your Wallies and all that? How many bad Pixar films has there been, really? Monsters University, I didn't like. Ooh. I thought that was... Oh, no, actually. No, I didn't like that either. Good Dinosaur, I didn't like. Cars, I, Cars, I didn't like. I haven't seen Cars 2. I really don't plan yeah, to. Yeah, that's the thing. I've got no interest in seeing that. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a whole... Hot take here, guys. Pixar are really good. Yeah, there you go. Shocker. So, yeah, that's Coco at number four for Dean and number ten for me. Let's get to your number four. My number four is Paul Thomas Anderson's Phantom Thread. Okay, so uh, we haven't discussed this at all. You saw it today, yeah. So obviously, and, it's quite good. And I, oh yeah, obviously that's fantastic. And I would actually rather get into it once you've seen it. So all I'm going to say right now is that it is, a, you know, just a phenomenal film. Get out there and check it out while you can. For all you Aussies out there, it's still out in the cinema. Just get out there and check it out. And once you've seen it, we'll discuss it. But Phantom Fred, number four. Wow. No spoilers. It's good. Okay, yeah, I look forward to seeing that. So we're on to our top three. 
Top three, baby. Dean, why don't you kick it off? What is your number three film of 2017? Yeah, this is a little film. I'm not sure many of listeners may have seen it. Called Star Wars. The Last Jedi. I think I've heard of that. Um, yeah, nah. Star Wars is my number three. It's... I mean, I'm a sucker for Star Wars. I don't consider myself, you know, a Star Wars, you know, super fan or anything like that. I don't know anything more about Star Wars past what I've seen in the mainstream films. Don't watch cartoons, read comics, play the games, anything like that. I just think this, the films, like The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens as well, just grabbed me in a way that I did not see coming at all. The Last Jedi, it's so different to The Force Awakens, and it's it's fantastic. It's not as good, I would say, but it it holds its own in a way that I didn't see coming. There is so much to this movie. It's really long, but it, it just keeps going and going and going, and I really, really enjoyed it. The action scenes are great. The acting's great. The action's great. The music is great. I'm a big fan. Yeah, uh... This Star Wars Last Jedi didn't grab me as much as you did. I thought it was a, you know, a <laughs> whoa, yeah, shocker. Um, I thought it was a. <laughs> you said as much as I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's um, it's a fine film. I I I just have issues with it that we've already spoken about. I don't want to, you know, slam down your you know great review of it. I just I didn't enjoyed as much as you did. I thought it was fine. I just not, you know, it wasn't a fantastic film for me. Fair enough. Uh, what's your number three? My number three is higher on your list. Oh, I wonder what <laughs> which one that could be. <laughs> well, why don't we find out? What is your number two film of 2017? Okay, my number two, which is no doubt in my mind your number three, <laughs> is Justice League. Oh, um... No, it's not. Ouch. Sorry. Ouch. So I'm guessing didn't, my number three make, is your number didn't one. Didn't make my top 50. Ouch. <laughs> um, nah, Justice League is... I mean, it's it's so hard for me. Like, I go to these movies and I already am so invested in the story, in the characters and everything about it. My excitement levels to see this movie were through the roof. I went and saw it in the nicest cinema I could find. I took my son. It was a great viewing experience for me the i mean i know there are a lot of criticisms of this film i get that i understand that not everyone appreciates it and that's okay but my personal opinion of this film is that i had one of the best experiences of seeing any movie this year it is so much fun i love the characters i love what they're doing I just hope that enough people are actually seeing it that they can continue to go along with the dc EU. So, again, if you listen to this, I'm sure you already know if you're going to like this movie or not. I thought it was fantastic. What's your opinion on it? Actually, let's skip your opinion. <laughs> no, look, I it's not a bad film. You say the word fun, I say the word fun too, but I put dumb at the front of it. It's dumb fun. I, I'm repeating what I said on the other podcast. I enjoyed it. It's dumb but, you know, sometimes dumb fun is enjoyable, and that's what it was for me. That's it. Very good. Number two for you. My number two of 2017 is Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. and More like Dumkirk. Am I right? No, 
Dunkirk is a technical masterpiece for me. I don't really have any outright flaws with this film. It's so jarring and confined. It's confined. Like this, you don't... We discussed this already. There's no person who's out in front here. We're not focused on this one person. We're focused on everyone. Everyone is equal in this. Yeah, the problem... That's just... just, No, 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 no. We're not doing this. This is my time. I am doing it. The problem is when you focus on everyone... That is the same as saying you focus on no one. Exactly. You're not focusing on any individual. You can't focus on everyone. Let me talk. You don't focus on anyone. You're focusing on the war itself. You're focusing on everyone trying to get out of this this beach. It it handles time in this fantastic way that Nolan just seems to... he, He uses time in all his films just so effectively. You want me to go over the list of films he uses time in really well? Yeah. Let's go with following. I haven't seen it. <laughs> of course, you've been following. Let's go with Dark Knight. Then let's go with Memento. Let's go with The Prestige. Let's go with Dunkirk. Inception. Even Interstellar is is pretty good with time. Inception. Let's go with Inception. <laughs> there you go. No, I've just no, I've just run it off no, five films. There's no doubting that Christopher Nolan is an unbelievably talented director. I just felt no connection with this film. Um, and while you say stuff like it's a technical masterpiece and all that sort of stuff, for me, that doesn't make it a great movie. Like, it makes it a movie that, hey, I feel like I'd watch this in, you know, high school history class and then write an essay on it. Does that make it a great film? No, it makes it a masterpiece of filmmaking, but that doesn't necessarily equate to a masterpiece of film. And that's where I sort of drew, drew the line for me, and that's why it didn't make my top 10. Although, Having said that, I still really like this movie and the aspects of it that were original and were well, were well done, it just didn't go to that next level for me. Dunkirk is a fantastic piece of cinema. If you ever get the chance to go out and see an IMAX, get out there and check it out. It'll be well worth your time. Sounds perfect. Looks perfect. Just go and see it. Don't listen to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> He will tell you to go see Justice League instead of Dunkirk. And we don't want those kind of people in our lives. <laughs> okay, let's get into our number one films of 2017. Your number one is obviously my number three, and my number one is your number seven, I yes, believe. Okay, seven. so why don't we get into it? Dean, what is your number one film of 2017? Okay, my number one film of 2017 is the final instalment of one of the greatest trilogies of modern time, and that would be... Cars 3! Mater, what are you doing in here? Well, I didn't want you to be lonely. Well, thank you. Everybody listen up! My best friend, Lightning McQueen, needs quiet. Perfect quiet! Where are those crickets gone? (laughs) It's not Cars 3? No, it's not Cars 3. It's War for the Planet of the Apes. My God. Look at your eyes. Almost human. How did you know I was here? I was told you were coming. That more soldiers from the north would be joining you here. Joining me? To finish us off. Forgot. Who told you that? 
Now, you have it at number three, so obviously you agree with me. It is a truly a uh, a masterpiece of film. It blew me away. It got me on the emotional levels. You talk about technical filmmaking. The special effects in this film are just phenomenal. And what's great about this film is it takes all those technical brilliance that it has in it and it adds the element of great characters, of a great story, of a great narrative, great action scenes, and it really and it worked for me on every level. I had an absolute blast watching this film. Andy Circus is just as mastered what he does. There's no one that comes close and that's and that's my final thoughts on it, I guess. Do you think that Andy Circus should have got nominated for some sort of acting? I mean, considering Denzel Washington did for his role this year, then yeah, sure. But unfortunately, the, we know the Academy is never going to nominate him. But I mean, maybe throw a Golden Globe his way. Maybe a nomination. Just get the ball rolling on sort of allowing motion capture work to be recognized yeah. for great acting. Because it's, it is out there. It's, there's a lot of films that are doing it now. Yeah. <laughs> what were your thoughts on War? Yeah, it's obviously it's a great film to cap off like you said, a fantastic trilogy in the Planet of the Apes. All three, to me, are, are fantastic. But Wolf of the Planet of the Apes, I just bought it on every scale of the word. Like you said, the CGI creations were once again fantastic. The acting is really superb. Andy Serkis, like, he, give, him some, give him something. Give him a little recognition. Because his portrayal of Caesar over these three films as a whole was just amazing. And if, if you get me feeling a lump in my throat from an embrace of a CGI ape and his son, then you're doing something right, I, I think. Are you, hold on, are you saying you teared up to this film but not Coco? I didn't tear up, I got a lump in my throat. Did you well? No, but I swallowed it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I, I kept it down, uh, I kept I, it down. I know what you meant. <laughs> and I've read some things like, where's this war we were oh, yeah, promised? That is such oh. a stupid complaint. It's It's... It's it's like a cop out. Like, what? Like, oh, my biggest complaint in this movie is I wanted to see a war and there was no war in it. Yeah, the fact that there wasn't this humongous war we were promised didn't bother me at all. Like, I enjoyed it where this story travelled and and ultimately ended. And like you like you said, it's just uh, it's your favourite film of the year, and it's the only film of the year that you've given five stars. Five. Yeah, it's the yeah. only f- yeah, it's the only five star movie for me. Yeah, and I come close to that, but it's yeah, it's a fantastic film, and I would not be against watching the trilogy multiple times over. Mm. Yeah, I've seen Rise and Dawn a number of times. And they never get old. You always watch them and they always feel so fresh. Yeah, I've only seen each one once. That's why... Oh, really? Yeah. I think I saw Rise twice in one day. I think I watched it in the morning and then I think I got uh, my wife to watch it that night. And there's been a couple movies I've done that with. Kick-Ass is another one that comes to mind. They're just these really original just movies. I just want to show someone, you know? I just yeah. want to experience that. Again, I want to watch someone else watching it for the first time. Now, admittedly, my wife doesn't get the same enjoyment out of it as I did, but it's still, it was still, um, I think it says a lot when you want to watch it straight away again. Yeah. All right, what is your number one film of 2017? My number one film of 2017 is the Makoto Shinkai anime, Your Name. And for anyone who doesn't know what Your Name is about, it tells a story of these two teenagers, a boy who lives in the city and a girl who lives in the country. And 
through just these random occurrences, they find themselves body swapping. And you, you kind of get the Freaky Friday vibe from just that. But it's what continues on from that where they're trying to build a connection with each other by leaving each other notes when they transform back. And when they finally try to meet, there's this, you know, something stronger that's happening that is basically stopping them from meeting. And that is when the movie kicks in and it becomes just this exquisite piece of cinema that just blew my mind from start to finish. This has some of the best anime I've ever seen. It is so stunning. Some of these shots would have been... I would have loved to have seen this on an IMAX cinema. It would have been gorgeous. There are some... These two wonderful characters... Mitsuha and Taki. That's right. And the plot becomes so complex and just crazy. Like, how, how does someone think of this? It's... I, I felt... I actually... I felt numb at points watching this. I got shivers watching some of this stuff. I can't... I can't really talk about the rest of the film because I don't want to spoil any of it. But just from there on in, it becomes easily for me the best film of the year. It's... What else can I say? It's it's a stunning piece of cinema. I loved it from start to finish. I could watch it over and over again. Just please go out there and see it. Yeah, and the problem with this film is... Um, There's no problem. American audiences aren't watching it. Yeah. So this is actually the highest grossing anime movie of all time. Yeah. It has made roughly $355 million worldwide, and only $5 million of that is from the US, which is... Just baffling. It's actually sitting in the IMDb top 100 at the moment. I think it's sitting at like 71. Yeah, Pretty close to that. It's crazy. Yeah. And yeah, like most people don't know about it. Because it's, it's, it's a crime. It's a crime. It gets no marketing here, like in Australia either. Like I hadn't heard of it. And it's. I feel like it gets that. It's that stigma of a foreign film as well. Most people and don't also, want to watch subtitle films still. It's not just that. It's also the. It's that plus it's an anime. You know, like yeah. a lot of people like, oh, I'm not into anime, like that's Japanese stuff. I've, it's kids stuff. I've never seen the anime stuff. Just because you're not a, a fan of anime or maybe you've never watched anime. Like, I'm not a big anime guy and I love this movie. Like, I really, really love this movie. It easily could have been higher for me, but it's it's just powerful. And the, as you say, it's the, deep. it is deep. Like, the connect, I'm, I'm a sucker for body swapping and time traveling all that yes, sort you of, are all that sort of genre and so straight away I was really into it on that way but what it goes to is just so much more and it it takes your places you just you can't see coming and it's it's just so beautiful the story is so amazing so definitely a worthy number one for you there Hendo. well thank you so that's gonna do it for our top 10 films of 2017 just quickly let's touch on some honorable mentions um, we'll talk about movies we haven't talked about. I had Spider-Man Homecoming, incredibly high. Um, just got nudged out in the end by Florida Project. I just think that for what this movie was trying to accomplish, I feel like it did it so easily. And I, I'm sort of surprised that it didn't get massive critical and commercial success. Like, it wasn't a flop by any means, but it sort of doesn't get talked about. And I think that after the debacle that was the amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, I really feel like Spider-Man Homecoming joining the MCU is a fantastic addition to it. Yeah, so we've I've said that number 11 was the big sick for me. Number 12 is Good Time. 
we spoke about this on the last podcast. I've made my thoughts quite clear about that film. 13 for me was Get Out. Yeah, I had that further down on my list. It's, it's good. So 12 was Logan for me. 13, Baby Driver. Yeah, I got Baby Driver at 16. Yeah, it's yeah. a highly entertaining yeah, film. Yeah, very entertaining film. Uh, 14, I had three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. and I actually thought that was going to be higher for you. No, uh, I just... As much as I love that film, I also love those other 13 films more. Mm. And that just goes to show this year of film is so good that the number 14 film is that film that I like. I love so much, on a, especially on the rewatch. It was, man, it was so good. But uh, yeah, there's 13 films more that are better. I had Blade Runner 2049 right up there at 15. That was a great film. Um, obviously not for everyone, but I really, really enjoyed what they were doing. Straight after that, Molly's Game. Another yeah, Molly's Game a little further down. Yeah, I, I really like Molly's Game. The script from... And the directing from Aaron Sorkin. Like, he just writes dialogue so well. It's so clever. I had the Lego Batman movie at number 18. I thought that yeah. was just a rip-roaring good time. Just hilarious. It was fine. It's weird. I sort of... I, I can't believe that you like that movie more than I do. I don't know. Maybe I just... So much of it was just... I don't know. Was it making fun of Batman? Like, there was just so much corny stuff in there that... Eh, I think we're past that sort of thing. Let's get into the um, the gritty stuff. Yeah, I had it at seventeen. I, you know, talked about that in the last podcast. T two Train Spotting was at number twenty again. Like I thought that was a really great sequel. I love the first Train Spotting, and yeah, this film um, came close to, well, probably not close, but it's a, still a really good film that uh, catches captures the nostalgia of the first film. So we did put it out there for anyone who wanted to put their top ten list uh, into us. We will read them out for us and. We got our regulars, uh, Chris Rodders. Okay, so Chris had from 10, Spider-Man Homecoming. Nine was Get Out. Eight was Wonder. There's a film I haven't seen yet. I haven't seen that yet either. Seven, It. Six, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Five, The Shape of Water. Four, Blade Runner 2049. Three, Three Billboards Outside Emming, Missouri. Two, Logan. And one, Baby Driver. A fine number one there from you, brothers. Let's look at what Shane had in his top ten. Okay, now, just remember this is your brother. (laughs) (laughs) So, Shane's top ten. Number ten is Brad's status. He says for the excellent screenplay. I haven't seen it. Number nine is A Ghost Story for its originality. Oh, wow. It's terrible, Shane. Terrible. Number eight is Wonder Woman. For the excellent visuals and action, plus good characters. Good. Number seven is Shot Caller for being dark and brutal. It's a film I haven't seen. Number six is Blade Runner 2049 for the production, special effects, and blockbuster power. Number five is Wind River for the story. Number four is War for the Planet of the Apes for greatness in all areas. Nice. Number three is The Florida Project for realism and talent. Number two is Brawl in Cell Block 99 for having balls. <laughs> I can't disagree with that movie, for having, having brawls. brawls. <laughs> for having brawls, yeah. It had brawls. <laughs> and Shane's number one movie is T2 Trainspotting for the year's best screenplay, characters, and emotional power. There you go. So why don't we get into some little fun uh, superlatives, some awards, I guess. How about we go with... What is our most overrated film, in our opinion? So, for me, my most overrated... Not my most overrated film. The film that I believe is the year's most overrated film would be Call Me By Your Name. 
Now, I see a ton of positive reviews for this, and it's not just from certain types of critics. It's all people across the board. This is getting so much love. I watched it. I'm generally a fan of romantic stories, and I couldn't get into this. And it's not because it was about a man loving another man. I've got no problems with that at all. It's just that I felt like that was why people loved it so much. I feel like had the story um, revolved around, you know, replace one of those characters with a female, I really don't see the massive appeal to it. And some of the choices that our main character makes are sort of passed over as being okay because of his intentions and feelings for this other man. But I feel like had that been another woman it would be looked at in a completely different light. What's your most overrated film of the year? Yeah, see, I actually wavered on Call Me By Your Name because I, I do give it a, a good review, but compared to everyone else who thinks it is like the best film of the year, and that, I don't think it is. Like I have it at like number 30 or something on my list, and I do think it's a great film, but it's not a phenomenal film that everyone's ranting and raving about. So I did you know, waver on putting that as as an overrated. But I didn't, mostly because I thought that you were going to do it. <laughs> so, I actually... Well, I'm glad that you agree with me. I actually did some honourable mentions for all these categories as well. So, I'll get into those quickly, but I thought the honourable mention for overrated film of the year was I, Tonya. I think, you know, it's not that good. <laughs> it's, it's getting some, you know, Oscar buzz and that, but no, I didn't really enjoy it that much. But to me, I think the most overrated film of the year was The Beguiled. I, I, it's so boring. I just there's not. I just didn't enjoy it. And who's who's rating it? I've seen many a list of people who put this up in like their top five, especially when it came out. Like, yeah. oh, this is this movie's great. This movie's great. And I watched it, and it just it, I didn't get the appeal. I just didn't didn't enjoy it. I just overrated. Fair enough. What about our underrated films of the year? Underrated films of the year. So my honorable mention for underrated film is actually King Arthur. I feel like this film got destroyed and I don't see why it's not it's not a fantastic film but it, it's enjoyable like it's kind of like Justice League I had a great time with it just it was fun it was popcorn it doesn't deserve the, the trashing that it got it's just it's fun it's enjoy, it's enjoyable but I feel like the most underrated film of the year for me was Colossal I feel like that got swept okay. swept under the rug like in March April when it came out and Yep. And then no one really spoke about it after that. But when I saw it, I loved it. And yeah, it just didn't get the buzz that it, sh- or the praise that it should have at the time. And, you know, movies around that time of the year, they sort of do get pushed aside when all the, you know, the the better films or the Oscar films come out towards here. And they sort of just get pushed aside. And I feel like that film definitely deserves a watch from more people. My most underrated film of the year is actually going to be Beauty and the Beast. So this is a film that has received... I'm going to say negative reviews, but they're certainly not overly positive. And when I went and saw this film, it actually, like, understand that it's it's a pretty uh, direct remake of the fantastic cartoon. And I felt like putting in live action, like, I haven't seen the cartoon for many, many, many years. And hearing that, that music, that that sweeping music that starts it off, it really made me remember, like, why this, why the story is so great. I thought, the characters were great, and I feel like it's just sort of passed away as, or passed off as a movie that's unnecessary. 
And I feel like it's not. It's You watch it, you really enjoy it, you get invested in these characters again because at its heart, yes, it's the same story being retold again in live action, but that story that it's telling is a classic. Like It's a really, really great story and I just feel like nobody saw it and the people that did, a lot of them weren't a fan of it. So for me personally, that's my most underrated movie of the year. Yeah, I feel like it is a classic story, but the fact that the animation did it so much better and there's the new movie brought nothing new to the table, why not just go and watch the classic animation? If 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 Disney are going to keep doing these live-action remakes, they've got to do something other than just, do, just doing exactly the same thing, like with Cinderella and with Beauty and the Beast. It is exactly the same the whole way. It's just with real-life people. There's yeah, nothing I'm ve- new. I'm very curious to see what um they do with The Lion King. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Right, so let's talk about our overrated performances for the year. So my honourable mention for overrated performance is Tiffany Haddish in Girls Trip. What? I don't understand. First off, I didn't like this movie, but everyone's going on about, oh, she should have got a nomination for Best Supporting Actress. What for? She's This com- this comedian just does a just standard comedy shtick. It's not even funny. I... Maybe it's just to do with the fact that I didn't even like the film, but I thought she was rather annoying in the film. She didn't do anything that was worthy of, like, acting chops. She was just doing her comedic stuff, and whatever. I just, yeah, she was no good. But I think the biggest overrated performance is Meryl Streep in The Post. Oh, really? Yeah, like, it's just Meryl Streep. She's just doing what she does, and everyone goes, oh, Meryl Streep, she deserves the Academy nomination. Give it to her again. Like, for what? just, Just stop it. (laughs) <laughs> give it to someone else for a change. She doesn't do anything special in this film. She's, like I said last week, she's the best part of the film, but the film is very mediocre <laughs> in yeah. the first place. So just stop with the Meryl Street, please. All right, for me, it would be Margot Robbie in I, Tonya. Mm. As I've said before, she's just fine. She's, you know, she's passable as this character, but people are raving about it as her best performance. And... You know, I disagree with that, but saying it's her best performance, I don't even think really says that much, to be honest. Um, yeah, she's just, she's not believable in this role, and I felt like I was watching Margot Robbie trying to act really, really hard, and that's really not what you should be doing when you're watching what is meant to be a great performance. Yeah, fair enough. I don't think I've, I, I didn't put Margot Robbie in that because I've, I put I, Tonya overall as an overrated film, but yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Okay, so how about some underrated performances? Right. What would you say the most underrated performance well, of the year is? My honourable mention actually has to go to two people. Considering that I didn't think that these people would ever do anything worthwhile after watching them in Twilight, i tell you, I've got to tell you, Kristen Stewart in Personal Shopper and Robert Pattinson in Good Time, man, like... Does it make you appreciate the Twilight series a bit more? Maybe. <laughs> wow. No, these two were so good in, the, in their respective films. Personal Shopper isn't as good as the film as Good Time for me, but obviously the big standout in that film is, is Kristen Stewart and her performance. They both just they both bring it in both their respective roles. I've already spoken about the movies themselves in different podcasts, but ah, they they are so fantastic in both of those films. But I think the most underrated performance of the year is actually Haley Lou Richardson in Columbus, and I think like I said. This film definitely should have got some cinematography buzz. It didn't. I told you it wouldn't. It it really should have. This film is actually could have been the most underrated film of the year too. No one has really got out and seen it, and they really should. It's actually it's actually a really solid film. But Haley Lou Richardson, she 
she's she's so good in this film. No one knows. Do you, you don't even know who she is, do you? No. Well, go and watch Columbus, and then you will, because she she brings some solid acting performance in that film. Very good. What's yours, Dean? Mine would have to be Michael Shannon in Shape of Water. The fact that Richard Jenkins is getting all the award nominations is beyond me. He is fierce, and he brings about the best part of that movie for me. And his performance is chilling, and I feel like it's undeserved, especially when you've got someone who's just okay in it getting all the praise from it in that movie. And I just feel like Michael Shannon needs some more uh, recognition. Yeah, fair enough. What about the person who had the worst year of 2017? And we've obviously excluded Kevin Spacey and Harvey Weinstein and all these people. We're talking just on an movie acting level. Right, what have you got for worst year? So my honourable mention goes to Michael Fassbender. His three films that he came, this, that came out this year, Alien Covenant, the Terrence Malick Song to Song, and The Snowman. Well, Ouch. yeah, well, Song to Song and Alien Covenant got mixed reviews. The, the Snowman was destroyed by everyone. Like he, he really didn't have that good of a year compared to some of the other years he's had. I think he definitely is a contender for worst year. But I think the person who had the worst year was Matt Damon. Starting off the Ooh, year that's a good pick. with The Great Wall and then churning out his... you know Downsizing. His downsizing and Suburbicon, two films that he was hoping to get some Oscar generation from that. And they just got... I think Downsizing got some mixed opinions. I know Suburbicon got panned. Great Wall got panned. He really didn't have a good year. He did have a nice little cameo in a fun film I watched recently. But that's about it. Thor Ragnarok. Ah. As what? As Loki in the play. Oh, yeah. And you know Thor in that is Luke Hemsworth. No, I didn't know that. It's a nice little Easter egg. Yeah, I don't think I can top those picks. I think uh, Fassbender and Damon definitely had bad years when you look at it like that. So, well said. Thank you. All right. What about a best year? Best year. For me, it has to be... Timothy Charmelay. Charmelay. Timothy Charmelay. This is someone I'd never heard of before this year. He comes out, he appears as a troubled teen. Oh, maybe trouble's not the right word. A teen in Ladybird to. A con- teen. <laughs> well, he appears as. And he appears in Ladybird. That's better. And he is. A teen. He is great in that. He appears in. Call me by your name. And he's convincing with what he is, the material he has been given, and has since received an Oscar nomination for Best Actor. This is someone who was on no one's radar last year. So I think what this young actor has been able to do this year is truly remarkable. Fair enough. I actually didn't even think of Timothy Chalamet, but I can't. I, yeah, like that's a, a solid choice. My honorable mention is actually someone else who was in Call Me By Your Name. That's Michael Stuhlbarg, who plays the father in Call Me By Your Name. He was also in The Shape of Water as the head scientist, and he was also in The Post as well. So three huge films of the year, and he was in all three. So that's a, that's a pretty big year for Michael Stuhlbarg. But for me, the person who had the biggest year, it's probably a name you've never even heard of, and it's Caleb Landry-Jones. Now, listen to this for a run of films. He was in Get Out as the brother, he was in Three Billboards as the advertising uh, guy. He was in The Florida Project as Willem Dafoe's son. And he was in American Made as well. 
So four, yeah, okay, American Made is there, but three pretty big films for the year. Yeah. He and he came out and he killed it in all of them. So that's a that's a pretty decent year for that man there. Yeah, well done. Let's finish these superlatives off with our best scenes of the year. We've gone uh, best funniest scene and best dramatic scene as well. So Dean, what is your funniest scene of the year? My funniest scenes of the year is in the big sick when Kumail is waiting in the hospital and he's having this extremely uncomfortable conversation with the parents. So, uh, 9-11. No, I mean, I've always wanted to have a conversation with about it with people. You've never talked to people about 9-11? No, what's your, what's your stance? What's my stance on 9-11? Oh, um, anti. It was a tragedy. I mean, we lost 19 of our best guys. Huh? That was a joke, obviously. 9-11 was a terrible tragedy, and it's not funny to joke about it i just found that so funny so original and so unexpected i was bursting out laughing and it really set up for the rest of the film tonally as something that does touch on these somewhat touchy subjects but does it in a really clever original and refreshing way yeah give a tick to the big seat because that's my funniest scene of the year too is it really (laughs) yeah man i burst out laughing when i heard that i mean it's such a you know a lot like a humorous take on a touchy subject yeah but it's not it's not harsh it's not supposed to be no, it doesn't you know, hurt yeah, anyone yeah uh, yeah it was so funny I, I, and I don't even have an honorable mention because I can't think of anything that was you know I did, nearly as funny I did have this little scene from the disaster artist I was considering where they drive up to the premiere and Tommy Wiseau sees that the character of Tommy Wiseau, sees that there's not enough people there. So they deliberately drive past it, and everyone can see them in the limo. (laughs) They're like, what is this guy doing? They wait for a while and come back when it's busier. Tommy gets out and goes, oh my God, traffic was crazy. (laughs) And it's just, it really, I I just thought it was so funny. It it really does capture the uh, the character really well in that moment. All right, so let's get to best dramatic scene of 2017. Why don't you start, Hendo? Okay, so I haven't. I, I I went back and forth over two scenes here. For me, my honourable mention is the finale of Call Me by Your Name with Elio, played by Timothy Chalamet, and his dad, played by Michael Stuhlbach, and the conversation they have on the couch. I thought that was just so moving and touching, and yeah, it was really yeah. good. Uh, but for me, my Best scene, my best dramatic scene of the year, comes from my number one film of the year, Your Name, and it's the it's the scene atop the shrine with an exchange of names and a passing of a red thread. Anyone that has seen the movie will know what you're talking about. Anyone that hasn't, you'll get it once you see the movie. Yeah, I mean that that at that point, I think that was my peak of when I'm just sitting there, like. I, could, I, I wasn't moving. I was just so engulfed in this film. Numb, you could say. And just that that snap cut of music. Oh, it was just... It got me. It was f- just fantastic. Best scene, 
Best scene of the year for me. Dean, what's yours? Uh, yeah, I can't go past the ending of Coco. Um, I just think they got that ending so right and they got the balance so so right of, you know, sad but happy at the same time. And it's not an easy thing to do and I think they just pulled it off so brilliantly. And I couldn't get... When I was looking through all these movies and all my favourite bits of all these movies this year, I just could not stop going back to this scene in Coco at the end. And I just thought it was stunning and I couldn't really say that any other scene was as good as that this year. Yeah, fair enough. It's a yeah, quality, quality scene. So that's going to do it for our superlatives. Let's wrap this up with a couple of films that we're looking forward to in 2018. Dean, why don't you kick it off? Okay, so for me this year, it's my most anticipated movie, as sad as this might be at this point, is actually... Oh, don't say... Is actually Avengers Infinity oh, War. Oh, they're going to go with a different A. <laughs> No, um, yeah, Avengers Infinity War, I've seen, like, we've been building up to this for 10 years now, we've seen Thanos in these little clips here and there, sprinkled throughout all these movies, and for it to come together, and now you've got Spider-Man in the mix as well, you've got all these characters that now you've spent so many hours watching, I just feel like this is going to be the end for some of our favourites, and I think, I think they're going to hit it out of the park, to be honest. So I am genuinely very, very excited to see Infinity War. Yeah, I hope they do knock it out of the park. I, I think the the thing that's holding me back from it is that there's, there's so many characters now in this in this universe that they're putting into this film. How many, like, what are they get? How many of these characters are actually going to get some time? Like, are we going to get like five minutes with each person, or? character realistically that's my that was the issue that i had kind of with age of ultrons there's so many people in it half of them didn't even need to be there they were just yeah. you know, just background noise but they were introducing new characters in that movie they were setting up new characters so you had to give them enough time i just feel like i, I haven't seen any new new characters in these sort of um trailers that i've seen for it and what i've read about it and i just think that um yeah it's all building to this as they say and i, th- I th- i'm hoping that it's going to pay off. Um, another, what's a movie you're looking forward to this year? So, a movie I'm looking forward to is The Irishman. And that is a Martin Scorsese-directed film starring Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Harvey Keitel, Joe Pesci. Oh, we're back in the 80s. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. And it's, actually, it's about a mob hitman who recalls his possible involvement with the slaying of Jimmy Hoffa. Everything, all those words I've just said, yeah, you, you can mix those words around and yeah. that would still make me want to see this film. I can't wait to see this film. It's, it sounds amazing. Yeah, and it's the thing that has me, I mean, I'm so excited for it as well, but the fact that it's a Netflix original film, do you think that plays into it at all? No. You don't think that because it's a Netflix film, maybe the budget's lower? Mudbound was a Netflix original film. Oh, Mudbound was fantastic. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, no, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that as well. Another movie I'm looking forward to this year is Mission Impossible. Yes. Fallout. Yeah, I'm keen for that too. This is a franchise now that is has been very consistent. It certainly changed up what it what it sort of started out being, and then the lows of Mission Impossible too. It's it's really perfected what it does, and I'm genuinely excited for it. I actually recently saw Vision 
or a video of Tom Cruise performing one of these stunts on rooftops. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've seen this, but he's running, he's jumping across a building and he sort of misses the jump slightly and you can see him break his ankle on the side of the building and get up and keep trying to run to do this scene. And I just think stuff like that just shows the commitment that Tom Cruise has and I'm, yeah, I'm really excited for it. So another film that I am super interested in seeing is Annihilation. And what, what attracted me to it is the director, Alex Garland, who you might know did Ex Machina, mm. which is a f- like, oh, fantastic film. And this stars Natalie Portman and Jennifer Jason Leigh and Oscar Isaac. And it's about a biologist who signs up for a dangerous secret expedition into a mysterious zone where the laws of nature don't apply. And I saw the trailer for this recently, and oh, man, it looks so weird but in a good way like i i'm so intrigued for this film i can't like when this comes out i'll be out to see that for sure yeah that does look very good just on just touching on your infinity war i'm actually i think i'm actually more interested to see black panther when it comes ah. out soon it looks like oh, just it just grabs me like i think this is this going to be a, lot, a bit more of a fresh marvel take yeah, we've had a million new fresh Marvel characters and we've had a million different avengers characters get together and save the world it's different, though. <laughs> this time, it's different. <laughs> <laughs> this time, it's personal. No, it is. it does feel genuinely different this time. And, yeah, I mean, I want it to be good. Is that so bad? No, that's not bad at all. I want it to be good, too. What else? Ready Player One is another movie I want to say. Uh, yeah, I can go either way on that one from what I've seen. Yeah, directed by Spielberg. It'll be loaded with Easter eggs and cool little cookies, and I think it could be really... Really, something special, something original, and yeah, you got to you got to respect what they seem to be going for, and I'm curious to see how it pans out. So, another film I guess I'm interested in seeing, and seeing how they do it, is Bohemian Rhapsody, the Freddie Mercury biopic starring Rami Malek. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I love Queen. I love Rami Malek from Mr. Robot. Obviously, if you haven't seen that, oh, do yourself a favor. You'll know straight away whether it's your cup of tea or not. But um, yeah, it, it looks interesting. Yeah, I'm curious to see what they do with it. I, I have all I've seen is the poster, and it's um, intriguing. I, yeah, like I love Queen too, and let's see how that goes. I don't know how this movie's going to go, considering that Ryan Coogler is not directing it. Uh, but I'm interested to see how Creed Two goes. The story, I don't know, sounds a little weird, but I, I love the fir- I love Creed, so let's let's see how this one goes. I guess. Yeah, I loved Creed Two. <laughs> as well as well I loved Creed as well um, it's a movie that probably shouldn't have worked but they just hit every right note and yeah it's tough doing a sequel like that like are we going to get another you know Rocky 2 just more of the same sort of situation probably is that what we want probably not so yeah I'm not too excited for that so I think uh, the last film I'm pretty interested in. There's two big animations that are coming out next year. One of them is The Incredibles 2. I can't wait to see that. I love the first Incredibles. Do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, everyone raves about it so much. I've watched it a few times now, each time, like, years apart. Like, all right, this is going to be the time when I see what everyone else sees. And it's just good for me. It's fine. It's not up there in the same sort of echelon as Up, Finding Dory, Toy Story... And now even Coco. So, I just... 
Yeah, I mean, is the second going to be better than the first? I hope so. I hope so too. Any more, Dean? You said there were two animated movies? Uh, yeah, the only one is, is uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Ralph Breaks the Internet. Again, yeah. that's a movie I wasn't a massive fan of the first one. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I might see that. Yeah, some other ones. Red Sparrow looks interesting. I'm curious oh, to see that. Jennifer Lawrence doing a Russian accent. Yikes. Curious, curious to see it. Sicario 2, I, I'm kind of interested in. Deadpool 2, yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed the, the first Deadpool. Curious to see how they take that. Ocean's 8, I'm like wavering on. Like, I love Ocean's 11. It's... Problem is, Ocean's 12 was bad. Ocean's yeah. 13 was... Yeah. I just... I can't see them... Ocean's 11 was just such a... Such a flash in the pan. Yeah. I can't see them redoing it, to be honest. The new Jurassic World looks horrible from what I've seen. I oh, wasn't a huge fan of the, the kids Jurassic like World. I loved Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, I'll, I'll go see that for sure. Um... It's weird for me because I love Fantastic Mr. Fox, but I saw the trailer for Isle of Dogs and I'm just, I don't know, I'm not interested in it. I just Yeah, it's not weird for me. I hated Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, because you're dead and inside. Isle of, Isle of Dogs looks exactly the same, so I am not going to watch that movie. Fantastic Mr. Fox is fantastic. What Paddington 2? Oh, well, <laughs> How have we not said Paddington 2? Because it's already, it's already out. Like, I'm talking about films that are going to come out in the, in the next, you know, the rest of the year. Obviously, Paddington 2, I'm psyched for. I'll go see that right now. Uh, Is it out yet? Yeah, it's been out for ages. In Australia? Yeah. Really? No, it hasn't. That's what I thought. <laughs> Glad I finally got the truth out of you. No, it definitely has. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. Other than that, there's nothing else that really... I mean, we've, me. we've said a lot of movies, and the problem with this is you sort of tend to say all the blockbusters, the ones yeah. you know are coming. Obviously, there's going to be a ton of movies that come out towards the end of the year in November and December that we haven't heard anything about now. Yep. That'll blow us away, as happens every that's year. That's always the case. And that's, usually that's get, the stuff I'm looking forward to most, to be you honest. You usually get one big blockbuster that, that stands throughout the year, and the rest of them are little ones you pick up. Uh, you get word of mouth through uh, festivals. Yeah, and they, you know, they get their Oscar um, release dates towards the end of the year, and that's the ones that those are the ones that shine. Yeah. All right, that about does it for today's podcast. Is there something else you want to add? No, I think I'm good. Uh, this was fun. It was fun. If you didn't uh, stop this podcast to start and go watch my video countdown, please go watch it after the end of the podcast. It's a it's a rip roaring good time. Yeah, absolutely. And if you haven't already, uh, follow us on Twitter at IMDB Journey. Find us at Letterboxd as well on IMDB Journey. And if you've got any questions or feedback, we love hearing from you. Please send them in at imdbjourney at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to get some feedback on how Dean did on hosting this podcast. See <laughs> if he did all right. <laughs> Hardly hosting. I reluctantly gave him the reins at the start. Get and- fucked. <laughs> No, you did all right, mate. You did good. Again, get fucked. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll see you guys next week for Wild Tales. Wild Tales. All right, see you guys. Bye.